We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Live. Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. Oh, like, rate, review, subscribe, help us grow the show. We are going to abandon mostly Blazers-related news because, well, they've lost six games in a row by an NBA record margin of defeat. And there's <laughs> not a whole lot to take from that of the, uh, as, Fifth, as Sithafong here says uh, in the chat right away, he parks his tank. Uh, yeah, everybody pull up your tank like a drive-in movie theater. Make sure you turn to, uh, what is it? I guess the the, the, the the sell here is turn your, your radios to AM 1080. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I actually disagree with you a little bit. Oh, we, we don't have to dive into the ins and outs of the roster and the team itself. Oh, okay. I, I just want to take a minute to embrace Joe Cronin for being the polar opposite of Neil O'Shea and being the best in the NBA at it. I mean, it, it, fair. we may not, we not be the best team, but man, we are good at being the best worst team. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they, they are, they are excelling. They are excelling yes. at tanking a legit uh, elite tank festival, uh, tank fiesta. Uh, as Brandon and I are both wearing our, our uh, Major League Baseball hats, his uh, diabolical Braves and the illustrious St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome uh, back, boys. Welcome back, welcome baseball. Back. Uh, there we this go. is uh, Joe Cronin stepping up to the plate and taking a big old rip. That's what this is. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if he's going to, you know, if we're talking Barry Bonds, you know, getting on base no matter what, or if, you know, we're going swing and miss high strikeout rate uh, to get all my uh, my baseball euphemisms tied in here. But uh, I think that's kind of where we're sitting right now. Uh, I guess we should at least tip start the show with at least some quasi-Blazer-related news. Brandon Ingram's down for 10 days. We knew that last night. CJ McCollum has entered health and safety protocols. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, the Lakers are awful. So they're they're still going to make this play-in game unless the Spurs randomly catch some fire. Um, you know, it's it's good news from a draft perspective. I still think if New Orleans can get Bi healthy, if CJ's healthy, you know, matchups are kind of everything. I don't think it's impossible for them to make playoffs yet. Uh, whereas, like a few weeks ago when they first got CJ, they started I think zero for four. I, I kind of thought, okay, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to get that pick. And now I'm kind of still up in the air about it because they played so well before B.I. got hurt. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how all of these things take place. And it's very Pelicans-esque in the sense of, like, they just not, stuff just doesn't go right for them. Right. And um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of, like, 
<clears throat> which direction this thing goes. I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm sitting here watching Twitter, and I've got the 76ers game on on the other screen. And um, Dr. J rang the bell, and the 76ers are treating this like the bleeping NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. They are... They hate this man. They hate Ben Simmons. <laughs> yes. It, which is funny because he got you James Harden. He did. And, you know, like, I think the crowd's kind of having some fun. I thought there were going to be louder boos when he came out. And I was surprised. Like, you could hear the boo, but it wasn't Philly-esque type boo. No, you know? it wasn't even like LaMarcus coming home to Portland for the first time boos. No, that was a loud boo. Wow. I was in attendance for that. It, it, don't put it past him, though, to show him on the Jumbotron at one point. Oh, in arena, they're 100% going to do that. Just for the one time of yeah. really hearing the boos. I think the uh, the other part of this matchup, too, one, this could be a playoff matchup in the first freaking mm-hmm. round, which speaks to the volume of the East. And then also, you see in James Harden's face right now, like, I, I think he genuinely hates that team. Oh, God, yeah. Has... I mean, we saw that from with Steve Nash when they asked him if he was going to say anything to James Harden. He says, and I he don't said, think no. we'll speak. No, I don't think we'll speak. That tells you all you need to know. We I mean, that was – that was an "as the world turns" quote, man. I was I was caught off guard by that. I, I knew that relationship was like frosty, but I didn't know it was like that bad. Well, one Nash is an MVP who understands what it takes to do what you can for a team, get everybody Harden, on board. Yeah, yeah. Harden abandoned that pretty quickly, like he did in Houston at the end. But also, KD had some stuff. Like they're supposed to be friends, and KD was kind of like, "We should win championships here." Like I was out. Like you ain't even won a championship, and you couldn't handle the grind. Um, which I found a very interesting for KD of all people to be saying, but I think it just speaks to the matchup. You've got two teams that hate certain people on these teams, which makes us a playoff game. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, we'll have that kind of going on the side. Um, Bleak asked Danny, can you give us the best Olshay spin, spin word vomit for the current tank? Cause it's definitely not the roster. <sighs> God, what's a, what would be an Olshayism? I, I, well, oh, like if, if Olshay was in the situation and the team was this bad, like how would he spin it? I think the way they would do it, I, I would, I would imagine because he loves, he loves buzzwords. I think pivot, pivot would be his word. Mm. I, I would, I would think it'd be like reassessing mm. or reevaluating, reevaluating expectations and yes. what uh, having a uh, pivot in our back pocket if something comes down the road. Yes, yes. While, by the way, we get to develop this young crop of talent. Yes. Ant has garnered serious minutes and run here to the point where we feel confident about what that future is. Like, it's really easy to do the Neil O'Shea spin mm-hmm. job out of this absolute. When you've got ten job. years of him doing the exact same thing over and over and over <laughs> right. again, you can you can pretty much thread yes. that needle. Yeah. Um, but a lot of stuff that we want to talk about is today, as we spent the first five minutes talking about Blazers-related stuff, is not necessarily Blazers-related stuff per se. I mean, it is because this is the guys Blazers are targeting. But questions about the NBA draft, NCAA tournament, that kind of stuff. And a bunch of you got questions in a little bit ago. So let me pull those up. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? There we go. Got a bunch of questions in here. Uh, James at James Huntley 27 can't wait. Can you discuss Chet and how he might stack up against the size and strength of the NBA competitors? Do you think he goes number one? Also, who do you think will be surprised? will go earlier than most mock drafts suggest. All right, let me pull up my latest, uh, the athletic, because Sam Vecini dropped his latest mock draft last night. Where did it go? Mm. By the way, I cannot get Sam Vecini to text me back. It is. I don't know what happened. I don't know why I pissed him off. Who did, what did you do to Sam? Oh, nothing. We had him on the show. He had a great mock draft. He responded. Yeah, hit me up. 
had a good interview, I thought. Dude, I can't get the guy to respond to me anymore. Well, he is in Australia, so. He's in Australia? Uh-huh. He's in Melbourne. What? What's What's their time difference? Uh, Technically a day ahead of us, but f- like, what, seven hours behind us. So, like, when it's night here, it's it's five early. Hours. No, it's five hours. So, because it's at noon. Noon here is seven in the morning there, because our, our headquarters is in Australia for my day job. Because Vietnam is like, I think Vietnam was 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So, like, on a Tuesday morning, I would still be seeing the live updates on Monday Night Football. It was always kind of crazy. So, if that's the case, I'm probably texting him at the worst possible time. Yes. That's cool. All right. Good to know. What's the mock say? All right. <laughs> so, we're gonna, I, I pulled this up to kind of go off of uh, James's question here. Uh, currently, Chet Holmgren is still number one in Sam's mock board. Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey, mm-hmm. number three. Paolo, number four. Shaden Sharp, number five. Yep. All right. So this is the the notes around. And what, uh, my, my my resident Australian from, from SB Nation is watching just texted me and said, yes, five hours ahead. <laughs> uh, but this is this is the notes of the first paragraph that Sam has on Chet. The conversation regarding Holmgren's frame is already getting tiring as more and more people start t- turning tuning into college basketball and Mark Madness heating up. I get it. He's skinny and he looks like a stiff breeze can blow him over. By the way, those conversations aren't just happening in the public sphere. High-level NBA executives who are just starting to attend games more and focus on scouting college hoops as opposed to the trade deadline or their own team's battles with COVID-19 are similarly debating Holgram's rare frame in game. It's because we haven't seen anything like this, t- this before. The term unicorn was often overused in the late 2010s as people searched for 7-foot rim protectors who could shoot. But Holmgren is genuinely something that hasn't really entered the NBA. New NBA players whom NBA exec- executives can't fit tightly into their ar- little archetypical box often get questioned this way. Okay, what does that sound like, Brandon? Does that sound like the exact same thing that we talked about last night? Yes, it did. Literally what we were talking about. The, the looking to find something wrong. And where does he fit? And that's, I think, mm-hmm. when you're trying, in the context of things, building things around him and more likely to like slot him in, you do have to make some concessions in how he plays and in your, your team structure. That is not inherently a bad thing. And I think that's what people think that that is a bad thing. Like Here's, here's a perfect example of the flip side of why it's not a bad thing. Damian Lillard has to have the right team around him to maximize him. Does that make Damian Lillard a bad player? No. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can only have so many guys on your team that you have to make room for or make concessions for. And here's where I think Chet and Dame being paired together, there's not a there's not a, a situation where they f- mesh perfectly, nor is there a situation where they're diametric opposites and it's just not going to work right right i i I was wondering with chet today because i was i was reading some stuff on him i'm i'm i was thinking like is there any team in the top three or four that doesn't need him no okay detroit absolutely needs a real real big beef stew is a a backup big right right and and we know grant's going to be going so they're going to lose a little athleticism and some length and you're you're pro- you're right there. Uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, they're in a place where they, they I think need to take. They just take. They'll take anything. But they do yeah. already have one of those kind of players in Poku. Would they maybe yeah. lean towards a Jabari Smith that makes more sense? Like 
to pair with SGA right out of the gate? Uh, Houston is an interesting one to me. I could see the fit there. I could also see them talking themselves in a different direction. Like Sengun's um, fun, but like. Right. In Orlando. I mean. They did They did ink Wendell Carter Jr. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get a feel for what they're going to do with Mo Bamba. Yep. I, I genuinely believe Portland might try to chase him with, with their MLE. Mm, okay. I, I, I do think that is a way that they will look. Okay. Uh, because that will allow them to play a certain way that they cannot play with Yusuf Nurkic. And I think if you were to go that direction for Orlando, I, I would get it move-wise because, you know, he's supposed to be a talent. I think what you worry about and what you're kind of reading from Sam's article is teams are going to wonder themselves, and some teams will conclude it before the draft happens, yeah. uh, whether he can really play the five for your team. Like if it's him and Wendell Carter, how are you going to do on that in that situation? You could be okay or he could get absolutely bodied out of the paint and he kind of becomes an irrelevant seven footer at that point. And that's the thing is I, I think in his first couple years in the NBA, he is going to be a four. This is going to be the Zach Collins experiment where you're, you're shoehorning a five into a four, right? But he's not ready to play the five. The difference is Zach was a five who was just being a four. Like he was a backup five. That's just, Kind of where it goes. Slugworth says we aren't going to be top four in the in the, in the comments here. There's going to be a probably about a fifty percent chance that they end up top four. It's going to end up right around there, forty to fifty well, percent. Okay, but my my response to Slugworth is like, so what? What does that matter? This <laughs> this draft might be five or sixty. Like we, I think it's weird how like I remember when this this draft class specifically. Mm-hmm. I remember reading about it and they were like, oh, it's too deep. And then it was like they're three deep, and now as we get closer reading, to the draft, you're like it's five deep. Ivy, Matherin, yeah. Sharp. Uh, who am I missing here? Uh, you know, it feels like you're five or six at this point. And if that's where you end up picking, we're still talking. AJ Griffin, like we're still talking about good players and players that may not be like superstars, but players that could actually fit in pretty well with a team in Portland's position, a playoff-type team with Dame, with Ant coming mm-hmm. back. You'll have Nurkic. Nas will be healthy. And you know what? If you can go make a couple moves, if you could go get Mo Bamba, um, if that's even real, I still convinced they're going to go Nurkic. Oh, I think uh, they're going to they're gonna bring back Nurk. They're, 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 but you're going to use his bird rights. I think they're going to chase a Bamba type oh, okay. with the MLE for, for the backup spot. Then that's good. But, like, you'd have that. You throwing a rookie into that situation, that's a good spot for a rookie to be in because they're not going to be asked to carry the workload. And on nights they step above, like you're probably going to have one of your other guys I just mentioned have an off night. So it's going to come in handy. So, you know, I know it seems like it's a really top three, top two heavy draft right now, maybe to a lot of people. But I think as time has gone on, we've seen throughout this college basketball season, it's slowly becoming four, five, maybe six players deep and and portland's putting themselves in that position right now if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs twice a week jj reddick is cooking on his podcast the old man and the three he has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else including devin booker on why he talks so much trash ray allen's epic free throw competitions with lebron in miami 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The question originally that James asked was how he might stack up against size and strength of the NBA competitors. Night in, night out at the five, he won't. He won't. He, he's just not. He's not ready for that. Night in, night out as a four, as a helper. He, I think he's fine. Yeah, I, I genuinely do, and I think he can actually take some minutes as a backup five. But here's the thing: when you look at Chet, I don't think that he's going to make the impact that, like, say, an Evan Mobley is right now, which. To be fair, almost no big <laughs> makes the impact that Evan Mobley has made this year. I was going to say, that's kind of a fair name to be throwing out there of like, hey, one of the best young bigs we've ever seen yeah. in league history. Uh, yeah, Chet's not going to be that. I think that's yeah. okay to say. Yes, and I, but I think that there's some people who really like him who see him in that way. And then there's the, the interesting thing about Chet is there's nobody who's on the fence with him. You either love him or you hate him. I, I, which is weird because I find myself pretty squarely in the middle. Like I, I can't say hate though. Like I, I'm out on them. Like if, if it's my pick, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this in like the most stupid sports fan way, not mm-hmm. being an general, you know, a general manager in the NBA. But like I, I would lean no. I don't hate him. Mm-hmm. If Portland's in a position where it goes, you know, uh, Smith, Bankero, Ivy, somebody sneaks into that top two. Mm-hmm. And Portland's on the clock and Chet's there. Again, I, I'm not the biggest fan, but like I, I'll we'll do the podcast and I'll tell you, like, I get it. I know why Joe did this. And you just hope that he becomes some dream four that can carry over from college what he did so well. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing just to kind of see how it pans out and like who goes where does a team go need based? Like we we've had we hey Marvin Bagley. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, is there going to be a team in there that that's 
reaches for a guy they really like as opposed to taking best player available or does somebody have a player evaluated significantly higher than another? Uh, and as of right years now, did Philly do that in the process years? You know, they they got they a bunch of this right, but then yeah. Hinky leaves, the, the brain trust leaves, and all of a sudden they're drafting Ja Okafor. Right. And you're like, right. ooh. Yeah. Or you're swapping picks so you can get Markel Fultz and not take Jason Tatum. Yeah, right. Who would want Jason Tatum with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? Yikes! Oh, <laughs> a six ten point guard and a six eight wing paired with a seven foot uh, skilled big who's got the footwork of a Lajuan. You would have you and me at the one and two, and they'd still win fifty games. Yes, easily. It's just, easily. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of dumb, but um, but there's a lot of questions around Chet, and I think that when you look at it, it's. It's interesting to see how it's going to go. But as of right now, I do believe Chet is number one. All of the talent evaluators I have talked to have all placed him at number one so far. That's uh, good. Most guys are sitting there going, listen, if Jabari has an NCAA tournament, like it, it's very it's very easy for him to go. Boop. I hate that. I hate that. I, I, I understand. 97%, 98, 99% of your season was played. And because you may have and one Zach or Collins two. Collins got himself game. a lottery pick because of two right. basketball games. Because they went to the championship and he was their sixth man. You're not wrong there. I just. Just again, I'm just saying. Like I just hate that. I, I do like, too. Hey. It's recency bias. It absolutely is recency bias. And it's not fair to the sample size. No, it's not. But again, I, I think that I personally would take Jabari over Chet, even if you believe uh, Chet is the better prospect in the long term. Because here's the question. Best player available, I think, can can have a, a couple different paths that you go down in the sense of like best player available right now or best player available in the long run or most likely to be the best player or reach their ceiling. Right. And I think those are, those are three different things you're talking about because the more I talk to people, the more I... May Chet may be the best prospect or have the most unicorn potential, whatever. Jabari's significantly more ready to play and insert day one than Chet is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I think it's fair. You know, we have a really good example of of maybe how we should view this draft um, through a certain lens, and I think the example this year is Zion. You know, it, it's not it's total revisionist for any one person to go back and try to preach that Jaws better than Zion. You could have liked Ja a lot. Go and back I, and read I, the tweets. Well, look, you're a sick, <laughs> sick man who once he gets an opinion, he has to go like all as deep as he can. Like he has to go as Skip Bayless saw that opinion as uh-huh. he can and be like, I was here first. You're damn right. But, but that's it's not revisionist to say Zion was the consensus number one, right? When we not evaluated right. that draft, it was Zion. And I actually, you heard almost as much, if not more noise about RJ as you did Ja. Yeah. Well, RJ was the pedigree guy. He was yes. the Nike guy. He was this, the Duke yes. guy. Yep. He was the, everything like, an NBA team is looking for, right? A six, yeah. seven, six, eight wing who's athletic. And, well, and he had all the hype behind him coming out at the Hoop Summit and all that stuff. Yep. So were you at Hoop Summit that year? Uh, I went to hoop summits, but I didn't go as media. Okay. I always bought tickets. Okay, so so during the hoop summit practices, mm-hmm. uh, RJ was there with the international team, obviously being a Canadian, um, and the scouts were ooing and awing. Oh, he he retooled his jumper. Da, 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 da. It was just like, oh Jesus Christ, here we go. 
Yeah. Like I rolled my eyes a dozen times and they're like, oh no, he's going to be the guy over Zion. He's going to like, they just kept Mm -hmm. convincing themselves of this over and over and over and over again. And it was just like, Zion was there with a cast on because he had a broken hand, I think at the time. And I was like, okay. (laughs) He he was, wasn't he the higher prospect than Zion? That's right, because yes, Zion was in a no, small school. It wasn't going to make an impact. It wasn't going right. to transfer. I'm sitting there watching this right. six foot six, two hundred seventy five pound, seventeen <laughs> year old with thirty eight inch vertical. Yeah. Uh, put everybody in the rim on yeah. all the tape leading up to it. I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. RJ is going to be the guy. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. Because you have Zion out right now dealing with his injury and his rehab, you've got mm. RJ not really. You know he's been fine. I think he's a good role player in just, the NBA. He's he's a he's a solid player. I don't yes. I don't yeah. know if like he's shown flashes of brilliance like he had the other night. He had a monster game, and it's just. But is that who he is, or is he just kind yes. of more of a guy who stumbles into those more often than? I that? don't see it consistently enough. But I I think overall my point is go back to even that draft, mm-hmm. highly anticipated one, and Ja gets taken too, and we're like, okay, yeah, they need a point guard. That makes sense. Yeah. He has taken off this year. He's in an MVP race. He won't win it, but he's right there. He's likely the top 10 player in the NBA right now. There, there could be that in this draft. That's the, the, there could be a variant in that group. That's like, Hey, we're not looking at Matherin the way that maybe we should, or AJ Griffin is 19 years old and he's six foot six. Holy crap. The ceiling for him could be so much bigger than we think. Teams tend to fall in love with a guy and that guy doesn't always become that guy from the draft. So Bear that in mind through the process as well. All right, this question is from Slater Smith. At Slater Smith, do we see the Blazers trying to consolidate picks to trade up if both land below, let's say, eight? Do other teams bite and would it be worth it? That's a really good question. I think you would be better off trying to package that Pelican pick, assuming you have it, and trying to get an asset. And then I think you see if you can move up, but if you can't... Then then maybe you move... So this is where I would go with this. If that, if let's say they... they they get eight and nine. They they stay, you know, they get bumped down with one and the other one stays where it's at. I think the Pelicans pick is gone no matter what. I think that's going out. That's getting traded. Yes, yes. that is getting traded. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, all of the, the tea leaves point to that. Sure. The Portland pick, though, tie that to uh, Josh Hart. Mm-hmm. Is that enough to get you from eight to five? Kevin Pelton has a, uh, a a sliding scale for what is expected values in a, in a given draft based on draft pick history, history and research and recency and kind of like what it what it costs to get there. Right. It's interesting to see how where that line is this year, like where the fall off is, because I'll, I'll go to Sam's um, mock here: Chet, Jabari, Jaden, Paolo, Shaden Sharp. If he's in the if he does declare, which does sound like it's going to happen, is his grouping six through ten. And this is interesting. A.J. Griffin, 6. Keegan Murray, 7. Jalen Dern from Memphis at 8. Johnny Davis, 9. Dyson Daniels moving up to 10 on his board, which I mm. found to be interesting. Um, so do you, if you're in that range, do you need to go up to 5? Or do you look at an A.J. Griffin or Keegan Murray and maybe go up one pick? Well, the, you know, that's kind of what I'm saying here is we, we teams make dumb decisions, right? That's the other <laughs> part of this. Like, well, but it needs to be said. You know, it, it does. Been at one. We think Orlando's going to make the smart pick at one. And then boom, they're like, we're taking Jaden Ivey. And everybody's like, what? 
right? That would not, that would change everything. Like there would be GMs going, oh, something, crap, may be, something may happen behind the scenes where you get a Eli Manning and a player says, I am not playing there. Sure. No doubt about it. Remind me in the 2017 draft, who was picked after Zach Collins at 10? Which one? John, Bam, Donovan, <laughs> yeah. OG. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm missing one more, but like those four dudes weren't even in the top 10 of that draft. And they're the four best players from that draft. So it's, it's just, they could be in that eight range. And I get it. It doesn't look pretty today because you're seeing top three, top four, top five. But that thing, that list is growing a little bit, guys. And there might be a really good fit for this Portland team that ends up falling to you at eight because, again, the NBA has dumb teams in it. So, and again, but do, could I see them in a position where they really like somebody and they want to move up? Yes. Sure. Sure. I can I can see that. Um uh, Johnny or yeah, Johnny says unless you're in love with Paulo or Sharp at five, I don't see why you'd give up assets to move from eight to five. What if somebody in that group falls all the way down, mm-hmm. or the guy that they they have on their board they evaluated has fallen down? I will tell you guys this: I've talked about it before. Uh, Sear Little's draft. I was just going to mention Nas is a great example of this. Cam I... Johnson was the Blazers' pick. Going into that, that that is who they wanted going into that draft where they were at. Yes, they thought he was going to fall to them mm-hmm. perfectly. And I still remember, because I didn't read any stuff that day or the couple of days before, I was floored that Nazir Little fell. I'm like, what? They had what? Nas mocked, uh, I think, 12th is where they had he, him mocked. Yep, yep. And uh, he Nas went got, because he thought he was going to be a top 10 pick. Like, <laughs> And then he fell, and then he fell some more, and he fell some more. And the Blazers, after Cam Johnson went, they were like, shit. And they were scrambling. And then their next move, they were going to take Dylan Windler. Dylan Windler was Neil O'Shea's pick that night. Yeah. When, when they when they were getting ready to pick. And then, because they thought Nas was going before. Right. They're like, there's no way he's going to make it to us. Then Nas dropped, and then, whop, they scooped him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, which... Turned out to be probably a fair move because Dylan Windler played like 16 healthy games of basketball. I was going to say, Dylan Windler's not bad, but he doesn't he, play. Oh, he's just – the guy is snake-bitten, and Lord, yeah. the Blazers could – I mean, to be fair, Nas has had his – Right, he's had a little run but, here too, yeah. But uh, he's been better off than, than, than poor Dylan. But uh, it's just – it's you never know who, where – like two, three guys you can usually figure out, and then beyond that, you kind of just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Josh Bullock at, uh, at Jabaspi asks, how do I know what to look for when watching college games? I know I am going to watch college games differently than most other people are going to. I will have some, some, uh, action on the side, so to speak. However, when I'm going in to watch prospects, I don't care what else is going on, on the floor. I am if I'm when I go watch an Auburn game, I am gonna my eyes are gonna be fixated on Jabari Smith. What is he doing? How is he doing it? Where are guys yeah. getting in the ball? Uh, what is he doing defensively? Where is he? Who are his matchups? Where you know what are kind of the concepts they're looking for? What are they trying to accomplish? Uh, is he settling for shots? Is he being aggressive? What are his weaknesses? What are his strengths? Those are the things that I'm going to watch for. Like I've watched Jabari a ton already this year. How does he react when the pressure's turned on? Duke today, good God. Oh, man. How about that? And then Coach K, suddenly the team has food poisoning? Doggy. Really? I'm picking against them. I think they're going to lose. 
I think they're going to lose. They're not going to get out of their region. Again, Sam has had Paolo knock back a couple spots. Yeah. When we talked about yep. this last night, dog. Yep. Again, this is where I think you give credit to the Zach Collins of the world. When the pressure comes on, do you have some dog in you? Because Joe Cronin and his staff, they're looking for that. So I, I think a competitive edge. I think that's something to watch for uh, on top of the, the you know, to quote C.J. McCollum here, the skills and drills. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just, it's hard to put into X's and O's for me. It's its really like, do you pop? If mm-hmm. I know you're on the floor, are you popping to me? Are you making the plays? Are yep. you looking like you know what's coming? Like, I remember watching Virginia, and the dude who popped to me was DeAndre Hunter, right? Kyle Guy was a really good player. Uh, Ty Jerome was their senior point guard, and, and they don't win it without those guys. Mm-hmm. But, like, watching them, DeAndre Hunter was – Oh, OS. He, like, he stood out. He stood out. And you can see that a lot. When we're talking about these guys, maybe Paolo doesn't do it for people in the in the tournament. And that'll be interesting too, because if he caves and they don't get out of their own region as a one seed, uh, yikes. But I, it's for me, it's just seeing like, does that guy pop off the screen? And you can see it when you watch college. Uh, I'm going to skip a couple here because I really want to make sure we get to this question because I know we got to get you on a hard out here. This is from yeah. Johnny at PNW Sports 503. Of your top eight, which prospects are most likely to overcome their weakness to become blank? A star, high-end role player, etc. And I thought that was a really interesting way to talk about prospects. And I, 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 this is, again, we kind of highlighted this, the different paths you can take earlier on. I think this is really important. I think Jabari is probably the safest player in this draft as far as turning into a high-end player. I don't think anybody's really going to argue that because he's a he's a two way guy already that you don't worry about his shooting. You, like he, my my spiel on prospects in general. Do you have an NBA ready skill that can contribute immediately? How do you get on the floor? Because that was that was always the thing that I, I I've harped on over and over and over again. Anthony Simons, I knew he could get his shot off and I knew he could shoot. That gets him on the floor. Then you work on the other stuff. That's how you get paid in the NBA. Jabari Smith Jr. comes into the NBA. He can shoot. He can shoot the living hell out of the ball. He can shoot mm-hmm. from every level. He's also six foot ten and he plays defense. Yeah. Well, couldn't you make an argument though? Like you say he's the most and his ceiling might be the highest. But if Chet's going one, don't teams view him that way? Sure. But of all of his skills, how many are hard skills that get you on the floor that you can go? He shoots the hell out of the ball. He's an elite passer or creator. He just has his floor skills are just higher. Yeah. Because he's a good defender. He can finish around the rim. He can shoot. He can pass. He can grab and go. He can do things at the position that there's a massive shortfall in the league. Like, how many guys at the five or at seven foot tall are grabbing a rebound and going? Right. Like, we see Joel do it, and we're like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Cat can do it. Joel can do it. You talk about MVP type players you're talking Jokic. Yeah, Jokic yeah um yeah I mean that's the list KP, the list KP gets when short. he's healthy but it's not very you know it's not very many guys yeah. you know the list gets real small real quick and Joey says shot blocking here's the thing there's plenty of shot blockers in NBA history and now with the way the NBA has played with how many threes there are shot blocking I believe is a little bit devalued as a skill whereas rebounding and shot blocking used to have like higher pedestal skills I don't think it's rim protection is is more valuable than shot blocking, but I think you can do that in different ways, and, and you can kind of scheme some things. But Chet Net is one of the things that will jump off the page is that he is able to kind of do those things and figure them out. Right. But in here in the top eight, let's go off Sam's list. I'll tell you this: 
after watching Keegan Murray the last couple weeks, uh, talking to uh, uh, Eric Gunnison today, he was watching the game too, and we were yeah. kind of going back and forth. Like, he was like, wow, Keegan Murray's a bucket. Well, yeah, he's 21, or he will be 21 on the draft day. Mm-hmm. So he's a little bit more polished, but I think day one coming into the NBA, he's probably your second or third most ready to, to contribute guy. He strikes me as a dog, too. Yes. Like, there, there's – don't – please don't uh, take this to the full extreme here. It's going to be a little blasphemous. He kind of has a bam aura to him. Mm-hmm. In the he's, – he's skilled. He's a little more skilled than people give him credit. Uh, what he does for Iowa – I just I don't know I I've liked seeing his tape I've seen him a couple games. I mean this is, start... this is the guy who's you know second in uh, was it second in the Big Ten scoring this year like what's just... he six he's six nine right yeah six nine six let, ten let me, like... let, me, let me pull up his actual vitals here so they have him he's, listed as six eight with a six eleven wingspan he is definitely to me if you fall and your pick isn't what you want it to be he is kind of like an insurance policy like, and he also solves an immediate issue of, yes he does he's a four yes, yes he does yeah like no he's debating. And again, he he's able to do things right-handed, left-handed. Uh, he's got a post game. He's got a mid-range game. He steps out, shoots thirty-eight percent from three. Like he competes on the defensive end. Like again, the word you will hear me say over and over and over again as it pertains to Joe Cronin and what those guys are after: compete, 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 compete. Well, and and don't and I don't think we should allow that Bam John Collins draft to be overlooked here. There there could be a scenario because Cronin says we're taking best talent. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are saying, you know, some of these wing guys and some of these couple bigs, I wouldn't be stunned if they got Murray in a workout in Portland. And, and he, he looked at him and them. said, he's going to fit perfectly for us. We view him just as talented as anybody else. Like, that won't surprise me. If Portland is to go that direction, it wouldn't surprise me. I'll give you an example of where that happened. Donovan Mitchell went into his, his workout in Utah. They said, if... the <laughs> This is told to me by one of the, the, the big guys in Utah, and I love this. Uh, the GM at the time uh, said, if word gets out about him, I will kill you. <laughs> like, they, like he threatened everybody in the organization. And the and word didn't get out, by the way, because he fell. Nope. He fell and he fell and he fell. Because he went into that workout. Uh, he, we were texting back and forth, me and this beat reporter. And uh, I, he goes, Donovan Mitchell's good. I go, he's, he's Damian Lillard good. And he's like, you think? And I go, yes, he's that good. I go, if he hits the way I yeah. think he's going to hit, he's going to be a 20.5 rebound, five assist guy. He yep. goes, are you sure? And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he he screen capped it and sent it to me like two years later. He was like, God damn it. I hate it when you're right. <laughs> but he went into that workout. They, did, they, they, they liked him. They yeah. liked him. When he got done, they loved him. And they yep. were not gonna. They they were gonna do whatever it took. And they sat there and they waited. And this is the impressive thing: is they waited it out because they could have panicked and moved up and given up more capital to move up further. And they didn't. And never showed their hand. They never showed their never hand. Never showed their and hand. And that's where what's gonna be interesting. Yep. Like this is Joe Cronin's first time as the the guy in the room. Yeah. It is it is one thing to make trades and to strip things down. This is the commitment that you're adding to guys. Does somebody come in and crush a workout right. and you fall in love with it? Maybe you reach or do you sit on your hands? Right. So I think that's really interesting. But of those top eight prospects, like the guys that I, me personally, I think are most likely to pop. I, I like Murray a ton. I like AJ Griffin a ton. 
I like Jabari a ton. I think those are the guys that are most likely. If you're asking me to slide a sneaky guy in there, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Oh, you think Johnny Davis is in play for him? I. The only problem is he's six four. That's that was my hang up on him. Yep. Is I and Joe said like, look, Joe said size isn't the end all be all, but I don't believe that. Yeah. But, but as far as like again the top eight of the guys that I think are most likely yeah. to hit, I think Johnny Davis is gonna hit. And it's a great basketball name. We need a good Johnny Davis in yeah, this league. You do. All right, what time we got to get you out of here? I got I, I, right now. I okay, mean, exactly. I, <laughs> that's what I thought. All right, we will wrap it up right there, guys. Thank you all so so very much. We appreciate. It. Brandon's gonna go play coach for one last time. So last game tonight, baby. Here we yes, go, there, sir. All right, only Saturdays, but they're Thursday this week. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you all so very much. We appreciate you. We love you. Remember, like, rate, review, subscribe. We will catch you all later on social media at Jack Ramsey's, at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprague. Go, Coach Sprague. Go, go, go. The Fighting Spragues. Uh, we will catch <laughs> you guys uh, for the next game here with the pre and post. And until then, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful night. We'll talk soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com